right. Hey, go ahead and grab your notes out of your worship guide for today's message. If you're a digital note taker, it's on the app for you. Uh, I want to say again, if we haven't met uh, again, my name's Brandon, one of the pastors, and welcome again to everybody online. Hey, did you guys know that over 200 people have said yes to Jesus at Cultivate Church this year? Come on, can we just honor Jesus for that? That's a big deal. We know that because over 200 people have put their name, their information on a connect card so that we can pray for them and send them next steps. And that's why we gather, so that we can introduce people to Jesus, make heaven a bigger place, and we can all get better together while we serve people that's around us. So thank all of our teams and all of you who serve so well in making that happen. Hey, if you got your notes ready, we're in week two of a series we're calling Coping, Hoping, and Doping. And here's the idea of this series is that we know because, again, those connect cards every week, you fill out your prayer needs and your circumstances and your situations, and we read those, and we pray over those. And so we know there's a lot of heavy burdens that's being carried in atmospheres like this. When we gather at 9 in two locations, at 1015 in two locations, uh, the average person that you see in here today, which, by the way, we've got a little extra room at 9 a.m. if you need a little space. If somebody smells a little weird beside you, you can squeeze in here a little better at 9 a.m. if you're an early morning person. But uh, they say about the average person attends church now about one every six weeks. So what you see here is another whole group of people that's not here today that will gather next week while you are wherever you are. You know what I'm talking about? And so we know that from all of us that gather and all of you who respond online, that there's a lot of needs and, and weight that's being carried. And you can look at the news, you can get on social media, and you just see the world and you see the circumstance that we're in. And here's what's happening. People are just coping with the circumstances that they're in. They're hoping every day that there's a change that takes place and we're doping our lives away. And some of that is literal dope, some of that is addictive things, some of that is food, some of that's relationships, some of that's shopping and spending money that we don't have for an instant shot of dopamine to make ourselves feel better for just a moment, just so that we can survive it another day. We're all doing this, and we've got all of the ways in which we're trying to work this out. And so we're hoping in this series, we just hit it head on, and we just stop doing it the way the world's doing it, and we say, Jesus, how do we do it your way? And so last week, Pastor Brandon Doss kicked this off with a message entitled Bigger Than a Band-Aid, talking about when you've got a, your arms falling off, you need a little something more than a Band-Aid to wrap that up in. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he read two stories out of the New Testament that were just miracles that Jesus performed. And one was the woman with an issue of blood. If you've been in church, you kind of know what that story is. And the miracle that took place when she got desperate for change. And the Bible said she'd spent all she had wasting it on doctors as a matter of fact, in all the years I've been in church, I never noticed something until last week Matt Powers was speaking, and it said that the doctors essentially had taken advantage of this woman. They had milked her for every dime she had, and she was so desperate for change that finally she did it God's way, got to Jesus, and she got free. And so today what our hope is we get to Jesus and we get free. And so this series is out of John 14, 27, top of your outline, and here's what it says. Jesus speaking, peace is what I leave with you. It's my own peace that I give you. I don't give as the world does. Don't be worried and upset and don't be afraid. When people are surveyed, the number one thing that people respond that they desire out of life is peace, believe it or not. And money can't buy it. Fame can't supply it. Relationships won't give it. That's why people who have seemingly everything still have no peace. And we say this a lot around here, this statement that the world can't give what the world doesn't have. And only Jesus himself says, I can supply it. And so today, I titled your message, First Aid Kit. How many of you got one of these in your house? I mean, you got a first aid kit. You know what I'm talking about? 
something went wrong and somebody said, where's the first aid kit? Who's got a first aid kit? We need a first aid kit. The problem is most of us have them, but we don't know where they are. <laughs> now, this, is a, this bad boy is an Amazon special. Now, let me tell you, uh, being jealous, all right, envious, it's a sin. So don't, all right, don't get jealous and envious over my first aid kit. It's a 315-piece set right here. Amazon special, got it on Amazon Prime Day. It was on sale. You're going to spend more than I did, too, so don't be jealous about that either. But this kit has got it all. I mean, got it all. You got dirty ears? Q-tips. I don't really think that's what they're for, but we're loaded with some Q-tips. Pastor Brandon talked about Band-Aids. We got every size Band-Aid, every shape Band-Aid, every kind of Band-Aid you can think is in this kit. My favorite thing was in this kit that I didn't know was going to be here was this right here. Sorry, sound guys. I don't know what you need it for. Johnny broke his arm. <laughs> but it's there, and it's awesome. You get caught outside. Look at that right there. You don't need batteries. That you just crank it up. You just crank that bad boy up. My favorite thing about first aid, you know, one of the first rules is you're not supposed to approach anybody until you've asked if they're okay. It's crazy, right? We don't want to bother anybody. I noticed you were choking and turning purple, but are you okay? May I help you? You know, typically like CPR, you know how that works? Mouth to mouth. Well, we can't do that these days. So this one came with a bag. So I don't even have to touch your face right here. I told my wife this morning, I said, you want a kiss? Sure, come here. <laughs> so like you just put this, so like if anybody chokes in here today, I got you. And it will be very appropriate, right? Used to, you could say, hey, slap somebody. Tell them, hey, it's like now you got to slap somebody appropriately. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't get, but be there. So if you're dying, my first aid kit has this right here. Got gloves if it gets messy. My favorite thing that was in this first aid kit was an emergency blanket. You ever seen an emergency blanket wrapped up in a first aid kit? Now let me just tell you about this. When I opened this first time, this was the size of a credit card. But it ain't going back to that. But check this bad boy out. Look at this. This is an emergency blanket. It is windproof, waterproof, reflective, it says. So it will warm you in the sun and will reflect light like an SOS. Help! <laughs> what, what was the dude in Lassie? He's in Timmy or whatever. What was Timmy? For real? His name really was Timmy. He's stuck in a well. Get the first aid kit. Get the whistle. Timmy's in the well. Now, I'm just telling you, 315 pieces, they thought of everything. I mean, we got, we got tweezers in here. Hangnail. Get the first aid kit. So like from I got a hangnail to I'm turning purple, we got you covered in this first aid kit. Now, if this is so common to all of us, that we got these in our houses, that we supply this, we keep up with this, let me ask you a question. Why don't we have spiritual first aid kits? See, we get something for everything in our physical ailment. But when it comes to our spiritual problems, we're just floundering out there like a fish going, help, I don't know what to do. And most of us are trying to do everything that we know to do the way we've seen somebody else do it the way we've seen the world cope with it, the way we've seen our parents do it. And you know our parents were jacked up, right? Yeah, come on, everybody. Let's just get to it. If, you look, if you're sitting with your mama, just look straight ahead. But she's jacked up too, okay? 
<laughs> I'm helping you, all right? And mama, if you didn't know you were jacked up, welcome to recovery. You know now. Now, here's what I want to talk to us about today. I want to give us four spiritual approaches to first aid that ought to be in your first aid kit that you carry with you everywhere you go. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 1, and we're going to talk about a guy named Paul. And Paul had a miraculous um, life transition when he met Jesus. Paul planted many of the early churches to which we sit in today, decades and thousands of years, because he planted churches and believed, as Jesus said, that the church was the hope of the world, so here we sit today. But one thing about Paul is that Paul went through some difficult stuff. Paul had more than a hangnail. Paul experienced a lot of stuff. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he gives us some resources out of his spiritual first aid kit that I want us to begin to apply to our lives today. Now, in the first few verses, 1 through 7, he talks about the grace and the goodness of God and how God rescued him through difficult situations. But then he goes, but you know what? I feel like you really ought to know the pain that we went through. Because you'll never appreciate what God has done if you don't know where we have been and what we have walked through. And so for some of us today that are still in the middle of walking through something, which, by the way, you're either walking out of something, you're walking in something, or you're about to walk right back into it. It's the cycle of a sin-fallen world of life. But today, my hope is that when we walk out of here, four things that God will give us in a spiritual first aid kit that's going to change everything about our life. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray, and then we're going to dive into these four things. And my prayer is, make room for God to help us today, to teach us and to grow us and to mature us. Take away any preconceived ideas, all the excuses of, hey, here's what we've been through, here's what we're going through, but you don't know where I am. It's not bigger than God. And when it's made bigger than God, you've lost the battle already. So today, we're going to minimize us, and we're going to maximize him, and we're going to let God be God today and teach us. Can we do that? Y'all ready? Amen. Don't matter if you are. Here we go. God, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your presence in this room. Thank you for everybody at every campus and online. God, our prayers today that we look more like you, not the world, but we look like you. Teach us today, God, through the principles of your word, to be like you, to live for you. God, and to be able to endure all the hardships of this life. In Jesus' name, amen. So contents include on your outline. Number one, here's the first thing I want to give you spiritually is reasoning. Reasoning. Spiritual reasoning. Let me show you the depths of where Paul was. Because he just said, look, God was good. God rescued us, the grace of God. But I really feel like you need to understand where we've been. So verse 8, he says, we think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about the trouble. Underline the word trouble. Just because you serve Jesus doesn't mean you won't have trouble. As a matter of fact, you'll probably have more trouble. You just have more equipment to get through the trouble that you face than the rest of the world does. But we had trouble that we went through. We were crushed. Underline that word crushed. That's more than a hangnail. It's more than our feelings were hurt. We were crushed. And underline this statement. Overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought, underline that word thought, that's important right there. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, underline this, we expected to die. Now here sits Paul serving Jesus, honoring God, living his life on purpose for him. And he says, hey look, we found ourselves in such severe condition that we were literally crushed, 
overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, so much so that we thought we were going to die. Many of us are living life in this lens of living, that you feel crushed, you feel so overwhelmed that you don't feel like you'll ever get to the other side. As a matter of fact, you've already just resolved in yourself that this is it. This is my life. I'm never going to get past these feelings. I'm never going to overcome our family history. I'm never going to get past this addiction. I'm never going to get through these feelings. And we've just resolved ourselves to our situation, and that's where we are. See, when we don't know how to reason correctly in God's way, we'll find ourselves stuck in a train of thought in which the enemy would want you to stay in. Isolation is the enemy's playground. And if he can isolate you and if he can keep you from reasoning spiritually correctly, he'll kill us every single time. See, we're taught reasoning from the moment we're born. You begin to teach your kids how to learn and decipher between right and wrong. And the kids don't get it right all that time either. They don't know all the time. But we've even got strategies for reasoning. We have deductive reasoning where we start with specifics and then we make our way to generalities. We have inductive reason where we start with generalities then we move our way into specifics. Trying to figure out how to reason correctly. Spiritually reasoning means you can look at your circumstance and you don't see it the way everybody else sees it. Where somebody else sees death, you see life. Because you see Jesus standing there with you. Because the difference that Jesus makes, he changes everything. But some of us can't see Jesus and the power of him because of the problems that are in front of us. Spiritual reasoning. It's like if you took a 95-year-old woman who was blind, put her on the corner of New York City, and she needed to cross the street. you got three options. You can just sit back and go, I wonder how this is going to go, and just let it play out. Or you could just give her a little you know, encouraging nudge and push her out into traffic, get her started. Or you could walk over, you could grab her by the hand, and you could help her cross the street safely. Now, hopefully, your reasoning leads you to go, you know what, the, probably the best thing to do would be to help this lady cross the street. If that's not your answer of the three, we have uh, prayer teams for you. Uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. There's some counseling for those sort of things. Spiritual reasoning. But the reality is every one of us looks at the circumstances of our life and you have to make a decision of A, B, C, or D. You have to decide out of the lens in which you're going to see the circumstance that you're in. You're either going to say we're going to die or God's going to show up and he's going to perform a miracle. Or you're going to say we're never going to get through it or God's going to show up and he's going to do it. But we say, oh, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Well, let me just write this reference down. John 8, 32. For some of you, this will be a very familiar reference of Scripture. Where Jesus says, I came to bring what? Truth. And truth does what? Sets you free. See, truth, the reasoning, seeing it his way, is what brings us freedom. It's what sets us free. It's what allows us to see something that somebody else cannot see. Because we know the truth of who Jesus is and what he's going to do. In other words, if you have correct reasoning in your life, you go, that trauma, that regret, that mistake, that heartbreak, that abuse, all the things I've done, it may be there, but it's not my identity. It's not who I am. See, it may be something that I've done, but it's not who I am. Because the Bible says God makes all things new. So when I said yes to Jesus and I began walking in him, every day he is refining me. You guys know what? Y'all tell my wife this. I'm a better man today than I was yesterday. Tell her. Somebody look at your spouse. I'm better today than I was yesterday. You know why? Because he's making us better. I'm not who I was yesterday. 
The Bible says his, his mercies are new every morning. And I woke up to a brand new morning full of brand new mercies from God. And what I didn't get right yesterday, he'll help me with today. It's not who you are. You know what? It's not your future. It may have been your past, but it's not your future. See, reasoning, right spiritual reasoning would say, well, you know what everybody else says, well, that's who I am, that's who I'll ever be. No, the Spirit of God says, it's not your future. It's, it's not what I created you for. It's not your fault. Some of you carrying stuff that's not your fault. Listen, some of you have deep-rooted, seated things that have been cast on you, put on you. You were born in it. You were raised in it. You had no chance to change it. But you know what? It's not your fault. Stop carrying it as your fault. Now, some of you need to look in the mirror and go, it was my fault. But you know what? Proper spiritual reasoning says God's grace is big enough for that too. And the Bible says God's grace covers a multitude of sin. So even what was your fault? When you submit it to Jesus, he changes everything. Right reasoning. You need to get in your spiritual kit. And you need to pull it out and go, no, I'm not going to see it that way. I'm going to see it God's way. Which, number two, here's the next thing you need to pull out. Your little spiritual first aid kit is reliance. Reliance. Who do you rely on today? Who are you relying on as the boss of your life? Here's what Paul said. He said, as a result, as a result of what? What is this a result of? It's his reasoning. When he understood who Jesus was, as a result of that, underline this statement, we stop relying on ourselves. And we learn to rely on God. Why did we rely on God? Because he raises the dead. And you know what? Nobody else can raise the dead. And when I reason correctly, it leads me to reliance on God. Now, most of us, when we try to rely on something, if we're honest in here, you're relying on yourself. Because you think, oh, I got it. I can do it. Don't want anybody to know. Don't want anybody to know I'm struggling. Because I'm probably the only one in this room struggling. Everybody else has got it together. Look how they're worshiping over there. Look at the kids are even paying attention over there. They got it going on. I don't want anybody to know. So what do you do? You carry it in your strength. Well, let me just tell you, you are not strong enough. You have a limit. You have a maximum capacity. I was in the gym a couple weeks ago. I saw a guy. He was trying on his own strength. He by himself under a bar. I noticed that bar going up and down. Then finally I noticed the bar wasn't moving anymore. It was resting down here. And I stood there, and I started reasoning. Do I help him? Where's my whistle? <laughs> Are you okay? Because the worst thing you're going to do is you're going you're you're to break a man's pride. Some men rather break, just break everything else in their pride. So I stood there kind of watching, and then I started seeing his eyes roll back in his head. And he's looking around like this right here. And so I just walked over. And I just lifted the bar like this, just to help him a little bit. He lifted it, he jumped up, fist bump, and we went on about our business. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, he come by, he said, hey, man, I just want to tell you, thank you. <laughs> he said, I thought I had it. I said, it's cool, man, it's cool. I said, props to you. It's like, you know, he, just, he took him a minute, but he had to come over and say, thanks for saving my life. <laughs> Listen, some of us are loading the plates like you got it. You don't. You're not strong enough. That's why you don't try to lift heavy without a spotter. 
Why are you lifting it all? Jesus says, cast your cares upon me. It's, it's heavy for you, but it's light for him. He lift heavy weights. He pump you up, you know? Jesus. Some of us think we're smart enough. We ain't smart enough. You are no different than your children. They think they're smart, but they are dumb. Some days my seven-year-old is brilliant. How does that come out of your mind? And then he ruins it 10 seconds later. I'm like, man, this is, what's wrong with you? Our father doing the same thing. Wow, you got it. 10 seconds later, sitting in traffic. Oh, God. What happened to you? Peace. Number one thing people want, peace. How's it working your way when you're trying to provide it? You can't do it. Reliance says only my father can do it. Amen. We were camping a couple weeks ago, and uh, my seven-year-old riding his bicycle, and his little girl's riding apart, and he wants to play with her so bad. And he's this weird mixture of introvert-extrovert. And so he gets on his bicycle, he pedals up next to her, and all of a sudden he just pedals off. <laughs> I see it happen three or four times. I'm like, hey, bud, come here. It's like, what, what are you doing? I just ride my bike, Dad. I just, you know. I was like, you look like a jerk, man. Like, it's like you teasing her. Like, you want me friends? Nah. And then just running off. He's like, Dad, he goes, I don't know what to say. He goes, she's at least nine or ten. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Older woman, right? And, and so... So we get this, this game plan. I coach him. Here's how you start the conversation, bud. Here's how you get this thing going. He gets on his bike and pedals over there. And I'm like, this is the moment. And then pedals off. <laughs> and he comes back. And I said, bud, what happened? He said, dad, I just couldn't get the words out of my mouth. I said, you want me to go over there and tell them you want to play? And I expected a big no. He said, yeah. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I go over there and say, hey, look, got a seven-year-old over there. He's awkward. He wants to play, <laughs> but he's scared to tell you. You may not want to play, and that's totally fine, but if you want somebody to play with, there he is. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to ride bicycles. I walk back over. He goes, Dad, that's so embarrassing. So he had connected the dots <laughs> in the time I was gone. I said, well, buddy, it may be embarrassing, but it worked. She wants to ride a bicycle with you. He said, that's how you start a conversation. You just get your parents to do it for you. <laughs> he pedaled over there, and they pedaled those bikes for three days playing together. Some of us, we're doing the same thing, and you just can't get it out. You know the right thing, but you just can't bring yourself to do it. You know what you need? To rely on your father, because your father will get it done. It might be a little embarrassing. You wish you could have done it on your own. But it was a whole lot better those next few days when he had a friend because his father stepped in. Your father will step in, everybody. you got to learn to rely on him. And then number three, the next thing you need to pull out of that kit is reassurance. Because reassurance is what keeps you moving. It's what keeps you on track. Guys, I've been following the Lord for 35 years. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. And because I've never forgotten that he's good. Because he's always reassured me that he's got me. Happened with Paul. Check this out. Paul said, and he did rescue us. Underline that statement. Paul reasoned where he was. He began to rely on God. 
And notice, and God rescued them from their mortal danger. And notice this, underline this statement, he will rescue us again. How does he know? He said, we placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Right reasoning leads you to rely on God and gives you the reassurance that he will do it again. He said it right there. He did it, and he'll do it again. Listen, everybody, God has never, ever, ever forsaken you. Here's the problem. You just forgot about it. Listen, we got 15 things right now we need God to do. And if you're like my personality, I'll slide in my list, say, I'll see you in a few hours. Let's see what you got figured out. God said, that's not the way I work. I know what's best and when it's best and how it's best. God says, I'm your father and you're my child and I'm taking care of you. And what I got to do is I got to rest in his reassurance. We'll pray about it. God will answer it. And we have forgotten about it 10 minutes later. We get that shiny new toy we've been wanting so bad and then it's not fun anymore and it's laying over in the corner broken. God's going, I showed up. I blessed your life. You forgot about it. I want to give you three things to help get the reassurance out of God. Write these down. The first is this extra. Record them. Record them. When God answers a prayer, record it. Write it in your Bible. Write it in a journal. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it somewhere that you know, I prayed for this, and God showed up. Because you could forget the blessing of God really quick. You prayed for them kids, and then they showed up. You said, what did I do? Some of you, all you wanted to do was be married. And then you look over some nights when nobody's awake and you go, how did I get here? Who is this? Not you. Not you. But some people. You, all you wanted was that job and that career. And now they want too much out of you. Now they're taking all your time away. Now you've got to sit by that person in the cubicle. Now you've got to go dig that ditch. Now no, you wanted that new car, but now you don't have no money to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, how quickly... You need to, you, every time God answers that prayer, make a note of it. The second thing you need to do is remember it. Record it and then remember it. Go back and read it. You'll go, man, I, I forgot all about that. Just this time last year, I was praying about this. And I had forgotten that six months later, God showed up and did that miracle. I'd forgotten all about that. God has done more that we have already forgotten about. If we could just remember every blessing, it would blow our mind today. You'd stand up today and go, I don't care what the devil comes to me. Because let me tell you what God's already done. I remember it. You know how I remember it? Because I wrote it down. And then you know the next thing you need to do? You need to recite it. Tell yourself. When you feel lost, when you feel alone, and when you feel like you'll never get to the other side of this, you go, nope. God did it then and he'll do it today. God carried me then and he'll carry me today. God loved me then and God loves me today. God provided for me then and God will provide for me today. It's a process. How did Paul get through being crushed, the trauma, the abuse, the hurt, without blaming God and blaming everybody else? He used these resources and God always reassured him, I got you. And then number four, this is important. 
We talk about this to death around here. But relationship. Because it matters. I want you to notice something. Now, this, is, this, this always blows my mind, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Paul has just talked about these amazing things that God has done. But then the narrative completely shifts in these next few statements out of his mouth. He says, and you, underline the word you. He changes the whole perspective. The main character shifts from God to those he's writing to, to the churches. And he says, and you helped us. Underline that, helped us. You did it. Thinking, well, what did we do? How did we help you? He said, by praying for us. Notice how powerful that is, everybody. When I was crushed, when I felt like we were literally going to die, you were helping me. What did, what did I do? You prayed for me. Then, notice this, many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. You know what Paul recognized? That he didn't do it on his own. And it took other people with him to help him get through that season of life. Because prayers are powerful. Because relationship is powerful. Do you know what you do every time something goes on in your life that's difficult? You disconnect and you isolate. We all do it. What did Adam and Eve do? They hid as if they were going to hide from God. God's just walking around. With his whistle. Shh. Adam, Eve. Where are you? Be quiet. We're dirty. We've sinned. They don't want us anymore. But what did he do? He sought them out until he found them. God gave us relationship because you need somebody in your life to seek you out every time you isolate. Paul recognized he couldn't do it on his own and he needed community around him. That's why small groups matter. Look, you're all busy and people are weird, okay? Let's just be honest. Every small group is not for you, okay? But there are people in this place that are for you. Small groups an opportunity to gather and give people permission into your life so that you have somebody to seek you out. And I want to ask you that today. And maybe you need to be honest with yourself. Do you have people in your life who will seek you out even when you don't want it? And more importantly than that, do you have people in your life that will seek you out even when you don't want it? That you have given permission to come into your life when you don't want it. That's the difference that it makes. That's why we're in this thing together. That's why the church is the hope of the world. Because we recognize we can't do it without Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, sets the lonely in families. Do you know the Bible says that? He puts the lonely in families. Do you know the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? Why? Because I think he knew what he was talking about. He knew we would isolate and we needed each other. These are literally the resources that Paul used in some of the most deep, 
dark moments of his life. It's not a get rich quick, everybody. It's not a life's going to be perfect. The whole Bible is equipping us for dealing with difficulties, for walking through uncertainties, because you will have them, and so will I. And these are the tools that need to be present in our life that helps us to cope, that helps us to hope, and it's the best dope that you're going to use. Doing it God's way. You can keep doing it the world's way, and you'll keep getting what the world can give you. But if you do it God's way, you'll get everything he has for you. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes with me, and I want to pray for us. And if you're our guest, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. Our team's going to come back, play softly. And if you're online, if you can, without distraction, I just want this to be a moment between you and the Lord. And for all of us, I want to take a second, and I'm just going to pray for us. And there's two things that I want to pray over today. And the first is if you're in this room or online and you can't with 100% certainty say you've given your heart and your life to Jesus, that's the very first step of living your life on purpose and of walking this life out the way God intended you to walk it. And so I want to pray today that maybe that would be the decision that you would make. And secondly, here's what I know. I'm not making light of any issue, problem that we're walking with today. There's some deep-rooted hurt, needs, and issues in every one of our lives. All of us. But until we're willing to be transparent before the Lord and allow God to do it. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the way the world does it. But God does it better. I've taught my seven-year-old the best I can. He'll come and say, Dad, I got a headache. Our first response is we pray for him. So, buddy, let's pray for that head. And if it's still hurting in a few hours, come tell Dad. We'll, we'll take it from there. But you know what I found miraculously nine times out of ten? My son will say his headache's fine. And you know what it's teaching him? We're going to rely on God first. Today, I want us to take it to God. Let's rely on him first. And so I want to pray over whatever you're carrying today that you would submit it and surrender it to the Lord. So God, for every one of us in this room gathered online, our family in Columbiana right now, God, as we all gather in this moment, I pray that if there's one of us that doesn't have a relationship with you, that you'd forgive us of our sin. Today, we know that we've messed up. We've done it our own way. And Jesus, we need you. So we confess our sin to you. We ask for forgiveness and we choose relationship thank you for loving us today and walking it out with us and God I pray for all of us whatever it is that we're carrying today God help us to do it your way to reason it the way you would have us to reason it so we can see it your way God to begin to rely on you Father to be reminded and remember recall the things you've done walk it out together God, I pray for peace over people today. Just they would experience your presence. There's nothing greater than your presence, God. Nothing. And may today we walk out of here with it. So we don't look to the world. We don't look to a church. We don't look to a pastor. We look to Jesus. Because Jesus changes things. Thank you for doing that for us today, God. You'll get the credit for it. Many people will see what you've done. 
through the lives that we live and the miracles that you do. And you'll get all the credit. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's honor Jesus together. Any good? Yeah.